Hello, this is Rich Tang here. Thanks for downloading Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. It's free on iTunes, on audio, and at the British Comedy Guide. Uh, I want to keep it that way, but uh, we do do a paid video version of this show. If you want to see what's going on, it's only £15 for a serious pass. You'll get eight whole uh, podcasts, plus a little bonus thing of some warm-up I did for the Stephen Fry one. Or you can buy them for £3.50 if you just want to buy one episode. If you enjoyed this audio and you'd like to give something, why not just buy one episode for £3.50? You don't even have to watch it. It just means that that would help fund future series. Just choose the, the guest you like the most and they'll get about 84p of your £3.50. So that's the way to choose who do you think needs the money the most. Uh, so anyway, yes, do enjoy the audio and um, you know, give something back. We go and buy something from GoFasterStrike.com if you like. Or just listen for free. Or tell a friend about it. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man whose finger is at this very moment travelling in time. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Welcome! Welcome to Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahelastapur. Lots of there are lots of cool kids in uh, today. Uh, it's been uh, they've managed to weather their way. There's uh, been a storm today for the people watching this in the future or listening in the future. <laughs> Terrible storm, but we've managed to. Most of us have managed to get here, uh, so it's good to thank you for coming along uh, and getting to getting through the terrible transport problems. Um, I've uh, what's happened to me this week? I've been to Vienna this week. This week I went. I took my took my wife away on a little. Where was her birthday? Little. Romantic sojourn to Vienna in Austria. That's pretty. Should have married me, shouldn't you? I think you've got. Pretty, yeah. Now you're regretting it. You had your chance as well. Uh, but, uh, I was disappointed though. I only really went to Vienna because I wanted to see the factory where they make the Viennetta, and uh, I don't have that sort of stupid Ferris wheel, <laughs> old cathedral. It's a load of shit, really. Uh, and uh, I, uh, my wife, also uh, tried to. Uh, get at me this week we had a halloween party this week it was halloween the week we did this uh, and uh, uh, she had a cheese board for the guests that's how sophisticated we are and she bought some cheddar cheese but it was wookie hole cheddar cheese which that is that is a contradiction in terms that is not only cheddar can make cheddar caves are the best any fans of wookie hole in we're going to make this a question for today so it's a way of making you know what wookie hole was i think most of you don't it's a, it's, a, it's a rival Somerset-based place. And uh, I had a sex dream the other day. It was very exciting. As a married man, I've been married uh, for 18 months now. It's going pretty well. I, never th- I always thought I'd get married one day. I never dreamt I'd be married for 18 months. So <laughs> might give it another 18 months, see how that goes. But I had a sex dream, not about my wife. Uh, and there was a very a sort of a voluptuous, semi-clad woman. And she came up. She was making it very clear she wanted to have sex with me. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't have sex with you. I am married. Uh, she was very insistent. And then I said, no, sorry, I've showed you, showed her my wedding ring, which, you know, it's quite cool of me in some ways. But in a lot of ways, it's really fucking annoying because that is the one place that I am allowed to have sex <laughs> is in the dreamscape on that plane. And I turned down. Awful, I'm embarrassed for myself. Uh, and uh, other things that have been going on in the, uh, in the world. Russell Brand is trying to overthrow the state. Uh, <laughs> which uh, is good. He's a previous guest, Russell Brand, uh, and uh, trying to form... He hasn't really got any ideas of what will come next, but what's going to... The rich people are really going to suffer in his, 
in his new scheme. I don't think he's really thought it through all the way. <laughs> but do vote. Don't listen to him about the not voting. Even if you're going to change the system, do make sure you vote. It's important. Or the British National Party will get in and it will be your fault. Uh, they will be. So uh, that, is, uh, that is all I'm going to say about that. So I think I've warmed you up in both that. And my, I'm going to show the audience at home some of the... There's a couple of new guys at the front here aren't usually here. What are your, what's your name? Michael, you've got the kind, of, the kind of terrifying black eyes of Eugene Toombs from the X-Files. <laughs> which, uh, and the, slightly the demeanour of that. It's quite a good, that was quite a good reference. Do you, you get that a lot? <laughs> what, what do you do for a living, Michael, when you're not crawling through ducks and stuff? <laughs> IT, yeah. That's good, it's a good cover. It's a good cover. And what's your name? Are you in IT, David? Yeah, let's cut to the chase. Uh, <laughs> they're all in IT. What's the best thing about IT, David? Computers. Computers. Yeah, that is, that is good. And there is a little tiny... I've had been plagued by flies uh, the whole time we've been doing these podcasts, and there's a little tiny midge uh, back here again. So I am ready. We, I've got an executioner thing. I've, I've electrocuted one person with this, and it was much worse than you imagine it would be. So I'm ready to get that midge this time. Look, we're going to, without further messing around and spoiling your day, because I know why you've come here, will you please welcome my guest uh, in this podcast? He is best known, I think you'll all be here to see him, from his appearance in Six Pairs of Pants. Uh, are we sick of talking about that? I'm going to ask him a bit about that. Will you please welcome Simon Pegg, ladies and gentlemen, from Six Pairs of Pants. Simon Pegg. Come in, sit down. We'll have a, have a microphone. Simon Pegg, off of, he's off of films. He's off of proper film. Not like the usual shit we get. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Simon? I'm really well. Good. I'm so glad you mentioned Eugene Victor Toombs. Yes. <laughs> I thought you would like it. I got that. Good. Look, it's him. Oh, God, he is, isn't he? <laughs> he's going to eat my liver. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm glad that reference uh, worked. They didn't like the crackerjack thing in the warm up. <laughs> Fucking hell! I mean, you were primed. Uh, so, what do you remember about? Oh, we'll get out of the way. What do you remember about six pairs of pants? Six Can you name the six the people? Six pairs of pants. Six yeah, pairs yeah, it was pants. myself. It yeah. was Jessica Stevenson, now uh, Hines. Yeah. Uh, that's where I met her, and that's where uh, that, that relationship began. Neil Malarkey, yeah. Simon Schatzberger, Good. Katie he Carmichael. Was, he was the hard one to get. If this was pointless, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think pretty much all of it would be pointless. So, uh, but Simon Simon Shatt, you, you might not know the name, you would definitely know but me. if I said to you, it's just possible you could save my life, uh, you might remember that Yellow Pages commercial when he woke up and someone had drawn something on a painting. Yeah. It was him. That was him. Uh, and uh, Sally Phillips. Correct. And no, one more. No, uh, yeah, there was. Uh, That's only five pairs of pants. <laughs> oh, it was... It's, uh, it's there was other girls. It's, no, yeah, and me. No, you're in it. You, you, I don't think you've said one of the girls. She's oh, in space. Sally Jess. It's Katie Carmichael. Yes. Right. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. So, um, <laughs> do you, any memories of recording? I watched one of them. They're on, the three of yeah. them are on YouTube. It was a sketch show that we made for Meridian TV. <laughs> and it was like, so it was on everywhere but London. In fact, yeah. it was on like in the southeast, but not London. Right. And uh, it was kind of a, a, yeah, a, a sketch show with some, with some sketches. And it was, it was intermittently funny, it as was most sketch shows are. 
but it was a slightly more intermittently funny than most sketch shows are. Well, I find it quite... Because the two of your... I, was, I had uh, Edgar Wright on, and we talked about Asylum as well, which yes. was another early sketch show, with, which, again, it felt a bit like someone had gone, there's six funny people, let's put them all together and see if that makes a show. Well, that was a weird one. That, we got all these comics together in a room back in the day. Uh, it was, this is 96, maybe. And there was a whole bunch of us, and we started riffing around the idea of a comedy show set in a, uh, a psychiatric hospital. And... Uh, Three, I don't know, I won't name them, but and they are not known now, comics. They left because they didn't agree with it because they thought it was bad taste. And, uh, and I said, oh, I know a girl who could be in it. It's, she, her name's Jess. And that's how Jess got right. into asylum, and that's how Spaced happened. So it was very much thanks to certain comics' uh, immoral standpoints that that show got made. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> but it's sort of weird. It is. It's weird seeing those. I mean, it's sort of weird seeing those early things. And Simon, the other Simon, is a very funny guy. And you kind of just. It's sort of weird the way different. I mean, you know, I I, I could say this personally about Fist of Fun. It's weird the way some people's careers take <laughs> off <laughs> and they become superstars, and some people don't. It's sort of. It's it's kind of quite random. I we had a very interesting talking about Fist of Fun in yeah. 1998. I supported Steve Coogan yeah, on tour. Talk to you about this. And uh, we had this little thing every Friday night when we'd finished, wherever we were playing in the country, you know, up and down the country, we'd all go back to that whatever hotel we were staying in and we'd watch Fist of Fun. <laughs> and it became like, the gags from the show became like our sort of tour bus uh, shtick, including Paul Putner's uh, Curious Orange. If you want a free copy of it, I think that was probably this I morning. I did, that's what I was saying. That was I this morning, for. Richard, not Great. Judy, but that that's, might be coming out at some point. Uh, I'm, I met you in Hull on that tour. And I would have told you about that because yeah. we were all full of it and a bit sort of starstruck. Right? Well, I know. Was, we, we, I remember. All I remember is, is seeing. I'd just been. I'd been really drinking heavily the night before. <laughs> I think I had literally just been sick in the car park of our hotel. <laughs> Nice. And then you bounded up very excited and hello. said hello. And yes, your did I think your was it your costume lady wanted to try on the curious orange's head. That's right. Yes, yeah. so we put up. <laughs> That's right. That's what I remember oh, about that. And what times. was it like uh, touring with Steve Coogan? What stories can you tell us about that from behind the scenes? <laughs> uh, none. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was. it was like being a. It was like being in a band for a year, and. Uh, None. <laughs> <laughs> there was, it was a lot of we, we, yeah. Mm. Uh, we, no, we just you know we did a, we did a hundred and two dates across the country, yeah. and then we went into the West End for three months and did the Lyceum. You know, so it ended up being like a hundred and God knows what shows, but it was uh, it was enormous fun. And then in the summer of that year, me and Julia Davis, who was also uh, supporting Steve, um, we made Big Train that summer. So we stopped the tour, made Big Train, and then went into the West End. So uh, it was a great year. It was a really fun year. You know, it was all at the beginning of things. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask an emergency question straight away. Do it. Um, I'm going to ask you the new one. Uh, If you... um, If I'd have told you a story from the Coogan tour, you wouldn't need an emergency question. I wouldn't need an emergency question. I was hoping for... (laughs) You know, a bit of... of, uh, So... um, So I imagine you got colds. That's what I'm saying. But... um, (laughs) Would you rather have a tit... I don't know why I'm reading off a piece of paper. I know this, but I'm going to pretend... Would you rather have a tit that dispensed talcum powder? So it would be like a woman's breast on your body, just yeah. one. Yeah. But every time you touched it, unlimited... Well, not there would be an unlimited supply. Some talcum powder would come out. Right. Um, or, in, instead of that, you can't have both. A <laughs> but fin- I have to have one. But you have to have one right. of them. Or a finger that could travel through time. So you can... 
Yeah. Only your finger can travel through time, but you can direct where it's going and you can still operate it. But I, well, I, obviously the latter. Yeah. Because then I could reach forward to a time when everybody had a talc tin <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dispense at my leisure. <laughs> I'm not sure that. I don't think the talc would come back. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a bit of talc on the end of your finger. <laughs> just come back with the talky finger. <laughs> but if you got the wrong, if you got the wrong tip. Uh, then you'd just be, the arre- you'd be arrested. <laughs> you'd be arrested for sexual harassment. Oh yeah, because you're not allowed to touch the non-talc tit, are you? <laughs> In this incredible future we're developing here, it'd be quite good. I, I was sort of thinking about this because this is quite a new and emergency question, but. Presumably, you know, if um, uh, sort of some kind of wormhole that has opened up in time, <laughs> it would have to, to be go, that big yeah. for the finger. Was, but then, you know, there are other things like that that could that sort of dimensions. Ah. It's interesting that I've chosen a finger. I mean, it wouldn't work for me because my penis is a lot uh, has a lot more girth. <laughs> <laughs> my penis would just become. I'd have to put it in flaccid. I'm not sure it would even go in flaccid. <laughs> and then if something sexy happened on the other side, it'd be like an amazing cockering. It'd be like a cockering of time. <laughs> Time itself as a cockering. <laughs> that erection would never go down. Tempus Huget. <laughs> in the future or the past, people would think I was amazingly priapic. Yes. In the present, not so much. These, I'm 46. You could yeah. thrust it forward to a time when you didn't have to have unprotected sex anymore and then you'd never have to wear a condom. That would be fantastic. Wow. Silence. <laughs> I'm taking these off. They're steaming up. It is, it's, it's getting hot up here with all this talk. Well, I'll ask you this other emergency question, which I don't ask every week now. Uh, Simon Pegg from off Star Trek and other stuff. <laughs> have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Oh! Have I? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it depends what you mean by try, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I think we've all had a go. Anyone yeah. with a cock's had a go. Yeah. Whether or not success was achieved is, uh, is our own stories. Is that, is that going to keep that to yourself? <laughs> no, never. Never. It's because it's now he's in Hollywood and everything. He's not allowed to. Talk I got someone much. to suck my cock for me now. <laughs> Is it that little thing from Star Trek? Is that little... He's just the right size. That's what he has. The whole backstory of Scotty and Keenzer is the Sorry, he's a little sh- cocksuck machine. I should have known his name, but it's just that odd little thing. Uh, but uh, well, that's actually talk- that's actually Deep Roy, who is a very is a venerable old short actor. Yes, who you've seen in uh, the thing. I guess people know him from recently was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. It was every Oompa Loompa. He's an amazing character. He's he's been in the business so long and played so many weird little small things. <laughs> but he's an absolutely lovely man, really, yeah. really nice man. And very good at blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> Front page of the sun. Uh, <laughs> so you have in fact I think you're the only actor in the world, I may be wrong about this, because I've got this off the internet, who has appeared in Star Trek, Doctor Who, and a, an incarnation of Star Wars, Star Wars Clone oh, Wars. Oh yes, yes. I don't think any other actor has appeared. I don't. I think maybe there's one. Yeah. I think like maybe Noel Clark or somebody has mm-hmm. done something. I, I did a voice in, and I, I was an act of utmost hypocrisy because I was so vociferously uh, opposed to the new Star Wars films. <laughs> but when the chance to play Dengar, who was in a, a bounty hunter from The Empire Strikes Back. I'm just losing everybody now. <laughs> Honestly, well, not if it's my usual crowd. They're, they're just in rap going, oh, I can't believe this. Is he real or not? Is he uh, Scotty? It's him. I, had to, I had to jump at that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, I, and I, I could feel like the sort of militant Star Wars fans going, you fucking asshole. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. Were there any other 1970s, 1980s sci-fi things that you would <laughs> like to be in? Uh, um, Sapphire and Steel? 
Oh, well, that'd be like great, wouldn't it? Bring that back. Tomorrow People? Would you be in if there they was a They just started doing that again it? in the States. Yeah, uh, I noticed there was a show called The Tomorrow People, but I don't know if it's the same about the kind of psychic teenagers with the hand opening. If the they beginning. don't have jaunt, it's not... It's not it's jaunt. Enough. Jaunt! 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 That's what they used to do, and then they used to press their belt, or I think they maybe had a wrist thing in some incarnations of it. Going a bit too far back for most of our young crowd here. I remember I one, uh, the one I, the only one I remember starred Nicholas Lindhurst, <laughs> and it was it was about Hitler being an alien from the planet Treeborg, <laughs> and uh, they kept having a melting Hitler face on the screen, and his eyeball came out. Yeah, that right rings a bell. The yeah. guy who was in it went was in the, a band called Flintlock. That's right. <laughs> See, now this is. I'm trying to get into you know you know the comedian Peter Kay does the kind of nostalgia comedy that everyone yeah. recognises. I'm trying to get into nostalgia comedy that like one person gets. You tonight, you were that one person. Yes. But it's very exciting for you. I just see how excited I was when yeah. you said flintlock. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I'd like. I think Sapphire and Steel. I remember a great episode of Sapphire and Steel, which was a sci-fi thing with Joanna Lumley, yeah, and David McCallum, the That's Invisible right. Man. Yeah. And, many, and he's in uh, The Great Escape as well, which yeah. I'm a massive fan of. Uh, and uh, there was one episode, though, where I was thinking it's really stuck with me, where there was a sort of faceless man yes. who would hide in all photographs. That was terrifying. And then he would turn around and be a faceless man. Uh, yeah. And at the end of it, they said, all you have to do, you'll be fine. All you have to do is never appear in any other photograph again in your life. Which, 1975, would probably have been <laughs> doable. <easy>. Yeah. <laughs> but now... Now it would be an issue. <laughs> it would be pretty difficult. You would never really be able to go That out. guy would be quids in now with all the fucking iPhones and shit. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was good. Well, so we're not gonna, you're not going to do that. That's all right. And um, you're working with uh, Tom Cruise in yeah. Mission Impossible... Five now. Five now. Yeah. You've done three to five. I did three. Yeah, I got. I, I was. I was. Me and Edgar Wright were writing Hot Fuzz in uh, in our office one day, and I'd literally said in it. This is. Uh, this sounds ridiculous, but I'd literally said in an interview when Shaun of the Dead sort of was was doing well, and and some journalist said, "Oh, what are you going to go off to Hollywood now? Like it's something that people do, you like know, cross a bridge and they never come back." And and I very sort of uh, adamantly said, "No, I'm not going to go off and do fucking I don't know Mission Impossible 3. Like I said it like it was a like a film I made up. <laughs> You know, like when people make up video games and they're called Death Kill 7 and it's just like a really rubbish <laughs> film. It didn't even exist. And then like six weeks later, J.J. Abrams called up because he'd seen, literally he'd just seen Shaun of the Dead and he said, oh, I enjoyed the film. And he said, I'll oh, see if that guy wants to work with me. And, uh, and said, do you want to be in Mission Impossible 3? And I said, yeah! <laughs> and, and I said, uh, oh, no, no, oh, <laughs> oh, no. I can't. I told the mirror that I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got anything else? Uh, but I um, no, and then the next thing I was I was I, I, I overdoing. I did like like three or four days on it. That's all I did. But it yeah. was very strange to suddenly be. I had this massive speech on the first day, a great big long rambling exposition about some a weapon or something, and uh, and I couldn't fucking do it. And crew, uh, Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames came on set, and he was so patient with me because I just kept messing it up because I was like I want a competition to be in a film, <laughs> and I, uh, I I was really trying to hold it together. And uh, eventually I did it. And then the fourth one, you know, I sort of... Um, it, I was a little more used to things by then. Yeah. And then the fifth one we're going to make next year. And it's, it's, it's interesting. He's a very interesting character. Yes. The, your character or Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. Cruise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My Tom character's Cruise really is good. Yes. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, a, he's an extraordinary person. Everybody that's kind of... Everyone that meets him kind of just goes... Ah. And uh, a lot of people have an opinion on him, but everyone that's, that's met him kind of likes him because he's very... 
don't know. He's sort of built for what he does, which is to make movies and be a big star, and that seems to be his his raison d'etre, and he does it very, very well. And he's very generous and extremely professional and lovely. And you kind of like, you meet him and you come away all like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, every time, uh, if, if ever he contacts me in any way, if ever I get it sort of, you know, a pigeon arrives with his little uh, note on, um, <laughs> I get very excited still. Yeah. Well, is it, I mean, is it sort of mind-blowing or is it just, does it seem natural to you? that you are now in Star Trek. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously when you were doing Space, it was, yeah. it was all about paying homage to a lot of these, yeah. these genres. Is it mind-blowing or has it just happened and it feels it just, well, The thing is because it happens over a very long... It's like if yeah. you jump into a very hot bath without lowering yourself and you'll scream your head off. But if you lower yourself in very gently, you'll just sort of go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I am at a state of, ha, 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 permanently. Just yeah. because, of, yeah, it's very strange. But also you realise it's just a business and, you know, it, it's... it's I don't know, it, it demythologizes itself as you enter into it. So, you know, once, you, once you're sort of part of it... I mean, being on the set of Star Trek is amazing because the sets are incredible and we're very excited about what we're doing because it's Star <laughs> Trek and, you know, no one ever loses sight of that. But it, it is also a job and, and, um, and you just sort of get on with it. I threw up on, this, on, on the last one <laughs> really violently. I was... Uh, twice, actually. One was food poisoning, but one... I had to do a scene in the film where I had to run across this long space hangar, yeah. and, I, and I have to sort of let Kirk and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in through this hole. Um, I mean, it can't. I'm, not, I'm trained not to say that, but it, it's can't. And, um, and I, I had to... It would be good if it was Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, if it was just Benedict there. Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah. we got an actor coming in. Uh, and I had to sprint down. It was, like a, it was a massive set in Playa in, in California where, they, where they, they, they built the spruce moose, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. spruce goose. What was it moose or goose? Uh, yeah. What is it called? Uh, Wikipedia nerds? Spruce goose. Yes, they built that plane there, and uh, it's a gigantic hangar, and they, they build sets there that are too big to go into film studios. <laughs> so we built the, 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 the hangar of this ship, The Vengeance, and I had to run down it, and I, I ran so fast, and I, I just wanted to impress JJ, because he's that kind of guy, because he he's a very lovely man, but you just want to do your best for him all the time. I sprinted down, and I, I fucking ran so fast, and all the crew were clapping and stuff, and the little quad bike had to fight to keep up with me, and I like nailed it, and it was like, everyone was going, woo, like this at the end, and then JJ went, man, that was great, you do, you do it again? And I went, yeah. <laughs> it's Timmy, two minutes, and I'll do it again. And then, uh, so I had a little break, and I, I recovered, my heart rate went down to 189, and, uh, and then I did it again. Yeah. And uh, by that time, <laughs> I was just like that and JJ said we, gotta, can we just do one more we're going to change the lens come in a bit closer and I'm like <laughs> so I did it again and at the end of that take I just went I'm just going to go back to my trailer for a quick pee and uh, I'll be back in a minute and I vomited <laughs> so much because I'd just had my lunch before I didn't know we were doing that scene and I started eating a whole plate of metze the catering in America is fantastic <laughs> and as a Brit over there I just eat everything I can because it might not happen again so uh, so I basically vom- vomed up a lovely, yeah. uh, a lovely lunch I had a very similar experience <laughs> on um, it's almost identical <laughs> On the set of Mr. Fun <laughs> series two, when uh, Stuart did a sketch about the boy who cried wolf, yes, uh, and it was it was a routine he'd done for years, and it was about the boy who cried wolf, and then he, he was delighting in making everyone 
run up the hill to him and stuff. But yeah. I, play, I just played one of the villages. I wasn't even a main role in it. <laughs> and we'd been out filming, like, we'd done all the filming stuff in one place. We stayed in the hotel the night before, and I got really pissed. Yeah. Don't, I, didn't do, I did do this all the time. <laughs> uh, and we had to run up and down this hill so many times. <laughs> and to, even just the sketch with the retake. And then I wasn't even in the... Uh, <laughs> I was just felt like I was going to die. Somewhere. So that is as good as yes. your story. <laughs> I'm the same. So it seems like I've seen a couple of interviews with the cast and you. I'm taking and you, this jacket off. So I'm... I think you should. It's got a powerfully hot up here. This is how I get the, the, the suicide confessions out of people. <laughs> I, just, just it, I, can't, I don't know who I am anymore. You melted Stephen Fry. That's what it was. <laughs> I melted him down. Um, it seems like you have a, a, a good sort of camaraderie. You play sort of you're playing practical jokes on each other on and on the set. Of... Well, that wasn't that that that. I'm not really like a joke. You hear about this sometimes. You hear about the likes of, you know, Clooney and Brad Pitt all playing jokes on each other. I'm not a big practical joker. I don't like... I don't like it when people get embarrassed. I can't watch any show where anyone gets embarrassed. Like, I can't watch any of the, the talent shows or I can't even watch Strictly Come Dancing because I just don't like seeing people get embarrassed in any way and I don't like those practical joke shows. But I was in... <laughs> I was in we, we, were, we were filming at this, this nuclear facility in Northern California called NIF, which is the National Ignition Facility, where they are trying to create nuclear fusion by bombarding helium atoms with something and every seven hours and they're trying to ignite a small sun like in Spider-Man 2. Okay. And, uh, sounds, which, sounds quite dangerous. Yeah. But, they, but they will, when it happens, it will be a sustainable source of energy which will, you know, completely make... If it doesn't destroy the world. If it doesn't, destroy, if it doesn't suck us all into <laughs> yeah. a, a warpy vent, uh, well, you know, dimension. Yeah. If you get your finger yeah. in your side. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it, it would end dependency on fossil fuels forever. Right. It will change the whole geopolitical face of the earth. And just in passing, I said to the guy who ran the place, Guy Bruno, this Belgian scientist, I said, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And he said, oh, about six months. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? He said, yeah, about six months to five years. Absolutely convinced that he'll have nuclear fusion. Yeah. And I was doing a voiceover for BP during the Olympics, and they were doing all this talking about stuff about mining in 30 years' time. We'll be able to find oil. And I said, you know, this is going to be fucking useless by the time you get there because of this, uh, this fusion thing. But anyway, I said to Chris Pine, who plays Kirk in makeup one day, you, have you put your neutron cream on because otherwise you'll get sunburn? And Chris was like, huh? And, uh, and I said, well, if you don't wear this special cream, then you, you, you'll get like, the, the ambient radiation in the air. It'll give you a little bit of a rash. you just got to put on this neutron cream. And then this, this became this... Once I let Chris on in, that I was lying, and it wasn't... I was just lying. I was just lying for fun, lying. And then we started to trick successive cast members with greater elaboracy, if that's such a word, until they, we, till we had pots of neutron cream that the makeup uh, department made. And Tommy, uh, Tommy Gormley, who's our first AD, were, uh, would have the whole crew jumping up and down and shaking their hands to get rid of the ions in their, f- <laughs> in their fingers. And it became like this giant orchestrated practical joke till we, finally we got Benedict Cumberbatch because uh, he was sort of late coming up. So he, 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 was, he walked into this. And we had him like doing all that. He kept doing this stuff between takes. And me and him and Chris were doing a scene one day and uh, it was him, he was being, very, you know, doing his stuff like this, talking about getting to the airlock before the, the crew of minimal craft. All this dialogue he had to do, he kept fucking it up. And me and Chris were in a bit of a giggly mood. It was the end of the shoot, so he was getting really frustrated with himself. And then at lunchtime, he came up and he said, guys, I'm ever so sorry about the whole the, that thing that couldn't my lines wrong. It was that I had a bit of a headache. I think the ions were getting to me. <laughs> And Chris and I, Chris, Chris and I were just like, yeah, really. Uh, 
and then we eventually we, we were like, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going? What's our end game here? Because Be- Benedict was so in deep with this, he was so convinced he was being poisoned yeah. that we didn't know how to free him in any kind of funny way. So we said, let's write a funny like uh, d- disclaimer form, <laughs> and we'll say, I, Benedict Cumberbatch, hereby accept the liability to put on neutron cream, which is a fictitious emollient, and I am an idiot for believing that it's true. <laughs> So we gave him the form, he read it, signed it, and gave it back to me. (laughs) So then we were fucked, because it was like, well, what do we do now? And uh, eventually we had Benedict read out the form. So he said the thing, you know, the damning thing out loud, and it was a wonderful reveal. What? Uh, But, uh, yeah, it just just went out of control. I'm not a practical joker, but that was fantastic. The thing is, actors are all pretty stupid, though. Aren't they? they? (laughs) But Benedict was so kind of, yeah, I'll I'll sign. Whatever, whatever, whatever. What's the scene? And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it's a very happy crew, and I hope it continues to be that way. We're going to make another one, I think, next year. And uh, it's very nice to work. They're all very, all those kids are all, good people you know they're not there's not a Hollywood douchebag among them they're all sort of very yeah cool and, and, and grounded and, and you know I, you go over there thinking people are going to be weird and difficult and I've not really come across anyone like that yet I think it works for I've seen the first one I haven't seen I was going to watch the second one and I thought uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe I'll, one night get I'll, on DVD get on DVD yeah, and um <laughs> But it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a good way of reimagining it without, yeah. without having to go back to you all having well, to be like uh, yeah. William Shatner. It's kind of cake and eat it because yeah. I thought it was a very clever device was to kind of like to reset it so that we can start from the beginning. But you have Leonard Nimoy is in it. So that says everything that you know and love about Star Trek, everything you saw in all those TV shows and films, it all happened. It's all safe. But we can start again now in a different timeline. So it's yeah. a, I thought it was a smart bit of writing. Dangerous, though, when you get into timelines. I'm very, uh, oh, I'm very obsessed about timelines making sense. Yeah. Have you watched Goodnight, Sweetheart? <laughs> <laughs> One of the better time travel uh, <laughs> pieces. I've actually... Uh, I've, I've, I've been joking about this for a long time. But I've actually had a meeting with one of the creators of Goodnight, Sweetheart... <laughs> About me writing a new version about about a man from now yeah. who's obsessed with Goodnight Sweetheart, <laughs> who goes down that passage because he's so obsessed with it and ends up on the set of Goodnight, Goodnight Sweetheart. Sweetheart. <laughs> what an incredibly meta, brilliant idea! <laughs> so we'll see if that comes off. I also yeah. that show promised that it, it that there was there were uh, great things afoot. It yes. was like if they, they, there was so much to play with about yes. him in the past and what yes. his effects on it yes. that it never seemed to they never took it. There. <laughs> It, it was hurts, quite hard it? to have the meeting because I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't go. The thing is, <laughs> good night, sweetheart. Shit, but <laughs> but he was very, he was very nice. <laughs> uh, I call it uh, Gary Sparrow's paucity of ambition. I like I think, it. I think that sums up the, the problem. Friday night, BBC One. <laughs> um, so this is something I want to ask you. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But your godfather to Chris Martin's daughter, I am, yeah. Apple. Yes. Was there no point in the christening where you just thought, maybe I should just well, I, step forward? I don't know if they don't have, if anyone here <laughs> has any objection to this. Just I think, well, it's hard when you name it. It's, you know, when you name your kid, you, you have to kind of... You, you, you don't want them to be named what everyone else to name, but it has to mean something to you. And, you know, I think the thing was she was sweet and unique, and that was kind of the, the reason. Also, there's loads of apples. But she's never going to go... Let's face it, she's never going to be in a school where anyone goes, your name's Apple, because they've probably all got interesting names as well. So, you know. 
Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, and oh, there was something very exciting I had to ask you about. Oh, that's that. Oh, have, have, this is might work because I think you might have done sort of. Have you ever? This is an emergency question. <laughs> have you ever seen a ghost? No, no. But, My granddad rode through a man on his bike. Apparently, <laughs> according <laughs> that's not slang in any way. <laughs> I just rode through this guy the other night. It was amazing. Uh, no, he, he was apparently riding home on his bike one night and, uh, and a guy stepped out in front of the road and he just went straight through him. Wow. But I don't believe I in I think your granddad's like just a murderer. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, he hit a man. That was it. That was it. <laughs> it said rode through on his insurance form. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't believe... I would love to see that. Just to get some fucking proof of anything because I have no belief in anything beyond what I know and what I know that can be proven and all that kind of stuff. I'm a, I'm a, I was at uh, <laughs> my daughter's Harvest Festival play the other week and uh, she started... Here's the fly, wasn't it? Yeah, you got it? I haven't got it. It's yeah. too small. I got one, but I mean, my dog's By the time I've it. got it, I need it attached to the end of my arm. <laughs> Does like it go... That. Yeah, listen here. Oh, it's good. It's really, I would do it on you, but it really no, hurts. I, I, to, I had one. I had one, but my dog got frightened of the noise of the flies exploding. Right. And I think it was because she could hear them screaming. Because they hear... <laughs> they hear something more than we do. That's true. And it's just, no! That's what... <laughs> my children! My millions of fly children! <laughs> it was too disturbing. Anyway, they, I, sorry, I was, at, I was at her harvest festival thing at her school, and, and they, you know... They, 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 it's not. It's a multi-faith school, and and they were obviously they they look at Diwali and Ramadan and Eid and all that kind of stuff. But it was a harvest festival, and at the end, everyone said a prayer. We all said a prayer, and uh, I was kind of all the parents that have put their heads in, and I was looking at what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was slightly. Uh, and then the other night, she said before we went to bed, she went, "Can we say um, can we say a prayer?" And I'm like, "All right, fine." And because uh, I, I wanted to have magic in her life, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not gonna, it's not like I'm going to sort of say, no, Santa's uh, doesn't exist. And so she can choose whatever she wants. So she said, and then she said, I don't want to pray to Jesus tonight. I want to pray to me. And then she said, <laughs> and so we, we put our hands together and closed our eyes. She went, hooray for Jesus. No, hooray for me. Hooray for daddy. Hooray for mummy. I'm going to kick you in the face. <laughs> Amen. Delightful. New religion. See, that's what you get when you have kids. You yeah. have that kind of stuff. Don't tell Tom Cruise about that new religion. You'll love that. Uh, oh, so yeah, listen. He'll go crazy for that one. That never came. <laughs> in seven months of like of, of working together, that I was all waiting for that to come up. Never did. Yeah. I was. He's yeah. biding his time. Don't you? Worry? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I find all that stuff intriguing. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Yeah, it's made up. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, so, <laughs> but why? I hope that, that explains <laughs> it. Uh, so they could get loads of money off. Yeah, it's a ta- yeah. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it yeah. is. But I'm sure Tom Cruise is very nice. You've, I mean, you've done lots of comedy films, but you have done serious films. You played the, probably the most evil character in theatre in cinema history uh, when you played Toby Young <laughs> in. Uh, <laughs> Whatever that rubbish film was called, the secret it was called, of my it was success. Sydney Young. It was. I, it was. It's Toby Young. Don't pretend it's not him. No, it had to be Sydney because I, I couldn't play Toby because it, it just because if you started I had to it, make him nice. Home. I had to make him likable. You know, he had to be sort of someone you could root for. People don't know Toby Young uh, is. Do you know who Toby Young is? Yeah, they do now. They just disdain him. Hopefully, that is. He's a hot. I, I was in a boat race. I, I did an Oxford Cambridge boat race TV show. Yeah. Where we had to learn to row and, and go against each other, and Toby Young was one of the rowers in, in my boat. Oh dear. 
kind of got... Uh, Jonathan Aitken was also one of the rows in the boat, and I like Jonathan Aitken a lot more than Toby Young. Yeah. <laughs> Toby, Toby Young just doesn't... Uh, he has a thing where he doesn't care. He, does, he has no desire to be liked, I think. No. There's a, he doesn't... It bothers me if someone... If I do something to upset someone, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, what, what do I do? Not because... I, I don't think it's a weakness, it's just that I like, you know... You, Friendship and unity, and I'm a bit of a hippie in that respect because it's it's nice to be everything's nice when it's nice. <laughs> Fuck, I'm bland. Um, but with Toby, it's like he just doesn't fucking care. No, and it, it, it's kind of weird, you know. We were training for the marathon at the same time. Me and Emma Kennedy, who was in that as well, and we went for a run, went for a jog up the thing because we were doing lots of rowing, so we didn't really. But we just thought that we should do a bit of a run. And he said, "Oh, can I come with you?" And I said, "Yeah." And because I was a bit faster than Emma, I, near the end, I said, "Oh, I'll just go a bit faster and go ahead." And Emma said, "Fine." And then Toby Young. Started sprinting like you in that tunnel. He started sprinting <laughs> like it was a race. So he caught up with me and then sprinted on. And I was just going, Well, I'm not going to race you. It's not a race. <laughs> I just, can't believe what that. What a yeah. dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was watching um, American Werewolf in London uh, at the weekend again, yes. which was one of my favourite films when I was a teenager. Uh, and, me uh, too. That was one of my fir- the first horror films I ever saw. Yeah. Do you like the bit um, with the nurse? Yeah, in the yeah. Shower. yeah. Good. That's all I just wanted to say. If you remember, <laughs> but it's amazing. I think you've got like teenage crosses that you've talked about. But it's it's amazing to see something. It's still very vivid when you see someone. I've, I've, I've just yeah. If I could, tra- if my finger could travel back in time, <laughs> I can tell you where it would go to. To Jenny Agatha's. It would go to the pool in Logan's Run when she's <laughs> swimming around in there. She wouldn't even notice it. Just be like a little ripple. <laughs> If it was your finger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We've explained. Was she... Uh, the that, that I had a, 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 a work with John Landis on something. Yeah. And he had... Jenny Agatha came and did a, a little cameo in it. And um, it's strange when you meet someone who... Uh, and I'm sure she must get it all the time, but who, who represents, you know, your for, uh, sort of yeah. early masturbatory fantasy. And all <laughs> yeah, right. Until the tape goes cloudy. <laughs> It, was it used to be videos, and I had the video off the TV of American Wealth in London, yeah. and uh, there was two bits. That, that I, you, how wonderful that you could yeah. go back, because you can't, you can't really go back and use... As an older man, pornography loses its lustre quite quickly. Yeah. But, let's but say, that was, I, I, bet it, I bet I was the same. Let's yeah. say them together. The first yeah. one was the, <laughs> the shower, shower and the second was the decapitation. The, the, <laughs> 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 no? It was uh, Lindsay Drew in uh, See You Next Wednesday. Ah, of course. Hello. No, there's no one of that name here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who is the mother of the oldest child in, in Outnumbered? Is, oh, but isn't, cause isn't his dad... Yep. His yeah. dad is also a porn star, yeah. bend over. Yeah. And his mum is Lindsay Drew. You know, wow. that's, you meet people at work, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you're spunking over their tits, sometimes you go... It's hey, a classic maybe. office romance. Uh, <laughs> I was bend over, which is something I wish I, I, I wish I had the courage to do this. Uh, bend over was on before. You know who bend over is? Just pretend you don't know that lady. Isn't there? She's not, no, I don't. He's he's a, just a, a kind of sleazy porn actor. Yeah, I haven't really seen. He's a. It's weird. I don't really like British porn. It just feels like a bit too a, close to home. Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> it, it could a, be happening next door, and that's weird. <laughs> in a British accent, but it's almost like they're almost like comedy things. Yeah. Well. Oh, so hey, he, look at her. She's yeah. nice and chic. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> hello, love. Yeah. Hello. We're just making a film. Do you want to take part? <laughs> oh yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it is that. 
He did a, a he did a stand he did like an hour long Edinburgh show about his life. Did he bend over here yeah, and was on in the same theatre as me the, the, just before I was on doing whatever show that was that year? And one of the pieces of merchandise he sells after a show is a dildo of his, his own arrest. Oh God. <laughs> Which, you know, I'd be interested to see how those would sell if I, if I offered those. Yeah, I know. You should do one of your own. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of that, actually, there is a uh, website, uh, which I talked to Dara about the other week, called uh, Dirty Britcom Confessions. Have you seen this? I have not. In which people <laughs> go on and reveal their sexual fantasies about... British comedian. Is that right? And ev- I mean, everyone's on there. Stoofer's on there. Everyone's on there. Uh, the, the, your ones are mainly um, uh, based on uh, Nick, Fro- you and Nick Frost, which a lot of double act ones are. But this, yeah. I just want to see how you feel about this. Is uh, this is someone's fantasy? Uh, I went out with a guy once because he looked like Nick Frost, and he let me pretend to be Simon Pegg in various roles. Really. Does that make you happy to think that that's happy? Happy is a is a, is a word. Uh, I feel dirty in a yeah. way. Uh, how strange and wonderful and yeah. wonderful. Absolutely, and wonderful. I, I don't know. That. It could be a man or it could be a woman. We don't know. It could be a woman pretending to be Simon Pegg. I ship that. It could be a man. It could you know be that's a... internet parlance for uh, supporting a fictitious relationship. Okay. I've just learned that. There's a lot of Freeman and Cumberbatch stuff on the underwear with them, which is really disturbing. Lots of pictures of Benedict like biting Martin's ear and blood dribbling onto the pillow. And I don't look for it. It's just. <laughs> it is odd to see it about about your friends and yourself. Uh, uh, this is another one. I so badly want to fuck Simon Pegg on that beanbag in space. <laughs> then we can play Resident Evil. After. Yeah, I think that's the wrong way. I think. It's Probably a great the post-coital of, game, listen. I think play it first, just in case. <laughs> it just doesn't go as well as you think, and then you're stuck there on the beanbag, a bit sticky. <laughs> Resident Evil. Do you think there's any chance that you will have sex with that man or woman who wants to have sex with you on a bean? Do you still have the beanbag? Uh, no. Oh. Or any sex drive, uh, after <laughs> hearing that story. Uh, no, no, sadly. No. I'm happily married. I in your dreams, even in my dreams, isn't that annoying? I got a blowjob in my dream last night. Yeah, exactly. That's my problem. But from someone I didn't even know. I think it was that guy. (laughs) (laughs) There's not very. I don't think I've read. There aren't very interesting ones about me. The one that uh, the best one about me is I'd quite like to get high and with and fuck Richard Herring. It would be really intense. It wouldn't, A, because we got high and I'd just be probably fall asleep. <laughs> and I don't really do that and it would be confused. I'd be like in the Norman Wisdom on Acid uh, sketch. I'd go, ah, why? There are peas coming out of my face. Ah. I don't think it would be, into, I think it would be awkward <laughs> and embarrassing. If you're, if you're listening, that person, thanks for the... But your teenage crushes, actually, because we're talking about Jenny Agatha, Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, big time, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I an love... alien. Yeah, I've, well, yeah, that was incredible for a, you know at a at a young age to because in in a, in a very sort of divisive way you look back at it now she strips down to a very scanty outfit for, for a young boy. Yeah, I don't know my voice is getting really deep talking. About this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I uh, and then we worked with her as well, and she she was uh, everything that we hoped she'd be. <laughs> she was so lovely and kind of and really came and she came over and did a bunch of press for us and stuff. And on the first night when we were filming. We were in New Mexico, and she was she sort of was her first night on set, and she was sort of sat like over there, and we were all all the young people were sat here, and we could see her sitting on her own. And me and Nick went, "We should go and say something to her." Right? So we walked, we sort of walked over, and went, "All right, Sigourney, you want to?" 
you know, come and hang out with us, uh, maybe, you know, have a cup of coffee and stuff. And she was like, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> she was like just as kind of nervous and cagey as we were. Yeah. And then came over and was an absolute delight. And she's, you know, fabulous. So really charismatic. And uh, yeah. I, I always think the, the, the true sort of um, indication of someone as a person is, is just often their professionalism when it comes to something that, you know, I mean, she's a fucking Sigourney Weaver, but she just gave her everything and she totally bought into it and we had her say we had Blythe Danner who was uh, it was in the film she says get away from her you bitch to Sigourney <laughs> Weaver which is Sigourney you know her line from Aliens and we had Sigourney give Blythe the line reading of the line and like Nick and I were just coming everywhere it was like I mean it was ridiculous it was such a nerdgasm moment she's uh, yeah I, I've got huge love for her and I asked um I asked uh, Nick Frost when he was on what he thought your worst film you'd ever been in was. <laughs> <laughs> and he refused to answer, which I thought was oh, very sweet, because there's loads to choose from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think your worst one that you've been in is? It's difficult to... I mean, the trouble... I always gauge these things in terms of the experience of making them. I, yeah. You know, what ends up being judged is... You know, it's something different. It's the pro- it's the product that gets judged, and you know, for me, it's like the process always. And I'm very ha- I I haven't done a film which I've not enjoyed. It's difficult for me to. I did a film called Free Jimmy, mm-hmm. which was a Norwegian <laughs> animation about an elephant with uh, <laughs> a, a, a certain poundage of heroin sewn into his anus. Um, this is true, and uh, it, it, it was a really odd. I'd done the translation, I translated it, not from Norwegian, it had been translated into English, yeah. and I translated it into Norwegian English, into English English, and tried to wring some comedy out of it. But it was a bizarre, dark Scandinavian story, there were Latvian people getting their heads blown up, and this, this horror, this, this, the elephant was addicted to speed. <laughs> it didn't work in the final analysis, and so, with all the greatest respect yeah. to Chris Nelson, who wrote it, and uh, I would probably say Free Jimmy. Okay, I I'll, I'll check that one out. <laughs> And see if it beats Run Fat Boy Run. So, um, <laughs> come on, Run Fat Boy Run, right? <laughs> when it's on Channel Four, you just you keep it on because it's a sweet film and it's like it's about a guy and he's got to get Tandy Newton back. When it's on Channel Five, <laughs> it's uh, not. It's on Fox. <laughs> I have no films on. Yes, I do, but. I'm only jealous because I I tr- wanted to I tried to write something almost the same as that. So oh, did you? Yeah. So I'm annoyed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure I was going to... I, I have mentioned it in another podcast. So I thought I'd better... <laughs> you've, done, you've done loads of really good films. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of Run, Fat Boy, Run. I'll have good. you know. <laughs> I know. It be. It's good. It's got a uh, hangar's area in it. It's good. I know. Um... <laughs> Let that pause play out. <laughs> but I very much enjoyed uh, The World's End, which I saw uh, recently. And I saw, yeah. a, saw a pretty... I'm very excited because Edgar let me see the first half of it before he was even out. Oh, cool. But then that was annoying because then I didn't know what happened next. It just yes. got to the good bit. <laughs> They're going to kill all the end. But you don't drink anymore. I don't, no. So how, are you going out drinking like... You used to drink a, a bit. Though. I used to drink, yeah, a lot. Yeah. And then I decided it was time to not drink anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that was three years ago, so... How easy did you find it to give up drinking? Uh... Pretty easy, not not in a way that was like yeah. I just I I felt like it was something I, I I had to do just because it was I I turned forty. I was basically a midlife crisis. I think I'd had my daughter and I didn't feel like th- that tallied with the other. 
And I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning and be sprightly and play and, and not be a sort of like, <laughs> kind of dad. And, uh, and I, so I quit. And also that happened at the time when I started to uh, get ready for Mission Impossible 4. So I had to kind of get in shape. So alcohol was the first thing to go. And I was amazed at how, how that helped me get fit and lose weight, you know, because, you know, that, that's what I had to do at that time. Otherwise, I'd lose my job. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it just kind of went on. And, I, and, and I'm, I enjoy not drinking now. I can drive into town. And I, the only thing about not drinking, the only downside about not drinking is that about 10, if you go out with your friends, about 10 o'clock, every single one of them becomes a complete cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and you just think, well, what? happening and it's because you were also a complete con when you were drinking yeah. you just didn't notice but everybody even my wife will become like this bizarre <laughs> cackling stranger who i don't really like and uh and, and so that is the only downside yeah. otherwise it's like it's a gift to not although drink. that must be useful in terms of le- le- acting drunk if you're sober and watching people drunk you yeah. actually know how people because <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one it. really knows how they act when they're actually drunk themselves exactly, unless yeah. you film yourself drunk and then try to recreate that there was a great show. Have you heard of the Worcester Group, which was the uh, the American sort of performance art collective that Willem Dafoe was part of? And they did a show called LSD, just the high points. And they basically dropped acid, filmed themselves <laughs> tripping, and then did a show where they just acted what they saw. You know, yeah. there's no end to that story. I just thought it was. No, I've always liked should, that as a good idea. We should try it with booze now, especially if you haven't had, <laughs> you haven't had a drink for three years. I'd be. F- Fucking amazing! What a brilliant end to the podcast that would be. Let's yes. bring some booze in, and uh, you grow your own veg. You're quite you've gone all health conscious, and you grow your own vegetables. Now we just got a garden, and, and the garden had a little vegetable patch. And we hadn't we we moved in there a few years ago and hadn't done anything with it. And then this year we decided we planted a bunch of stuff, and they grew. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was like that was a cabbage and, uh, and some carrots, and there was a, suddenly a pepper, and uh, that was amazing. Well, and, that's and, quite amazing. I'd like yeah, to see and that. then you eat them, and, and yeah. they, they they don't you don't. Die. And it's like, oh, I did that myself. But we we um we want someone to help out, you know, because we don't we're not very good at horticulture yeah. and, and growing vegetables is a particularly uh, specific thing. You know, you, uh, it's something that you, you you have to really know about. And so, a friend of ours has a friend who's an expert. And uh, we we want her to come and do our vegetable garden, but it happens to be Kim Wilde, <laughs> which seemed to be like the most amazing thing. If, if Kim Wilde does our vegetable garden, it'll just be so cool. I wouldn't. Help, I w- I'll have to sing "Kids in America" you quietly <laughs> while she's digging up my tomatoes. <laughs> uh, did you lose a tree today in the storm? I did. Wow. A venerable old willow. I woke up and uh, looked out the window, and it, it's giant, great big willow tree is on its, like, been torn out of the ground. And um, it was a terrible sight. Awful. Can you pop it back in again? It's not, no. It's already no. been sawn up and put <laughs> into piles. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. Because it, it was the violence of it. It was, it's all its innards were, like, red. Right. Like where it snapped over and it's all it's like the, the insides of the tree were red like Saying blood. it was bleeding. Yeah, it looked so like... So that Roald Dahl story where the guy, <laughs> it was the same thing where the guy can hear... I think the dog heard the his scream as well. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, but, you know, it's Thanks. fire, wouldn't it? Can you burn, yeah, exactly. can you burn it? Will yeah, it'll wood? keep the, the old wood stove going for yeah. the long winter nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm painting a very bucolic picture. I live in uh, Crash End. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, let me see what other emergency questions I've got. I, you know, I'm really hoping this one will come good right now. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? 
No, but I was convinced at Cub Camp in 1983 oh. that, that we discovered a wood beast living in the Forest of Dean. Right. Uh, because we found what we thought was a footprint. And all me and the rest of the cubs convinced ourselves that we'd discovered a, this, like a, a British Bigfoot <laughs> living in the West Country. Uh, it turned out to be untrue. No. Are you sure? I'm not sure, to be no, honest. It might, sure be, it, might, be. it might be real. Was it very big, the foot, or was it just medium size? It, kind of it was about the size of uh, the... the uh, child's <laughs> sandal. <laughs> it was the size of our Kayla's foot, basically. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we, 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 we were so immersed in this kind of role play that we discovered this... We called it the wood beast, that we all got really scared. But, uh, no, I've never seen a big foot. No, no, that's a shame. It would be brilliant if you had. <laughs> um, Has anyone ever said yes? In that? No, no, no. no, not yet. But, you know, it's a slow burner. And when it, when it comes good, it's it going to explode. And they go, oh, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> I forgot. I did. Um, and talking of the West Country, you went to Bristol University. I did. But what do you think is best, Wookie Hole or Cheddar Caves? Well, I actually, when we were making Hot Fuzz, I, I lived know. in Wookie Hole. I, I, actually, in, in the cave. Yeah. Like a witch. <laughs> yeah. I lived, no, I lived in Wookie. Yeah. Near the hole. Yeah. Near the... Uh, Did you uh, just uh, say, can I live in Wookie so that it'd be like Star Wars? Is that why you yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to live in a Wookie's hole. That's a different fantasy. Uh, no, because I, I had to... Every day, uh, we were shooting in Wells, and it was like two miles to Wells, and so I was able to run to work every day because I was trying to keep healthy then as well. Yeah. Uh, I like Wookie. I've got a soft spot for Wookie. Boy, are you a big Cheddar, man? Cheddar? I'm just, Cheddar's the way it's at, man. But does Cheddar. Cheddar have all the kind of lights and a witch and shit? No, it doesn't. Yeah, so that's that, why. That doesn't need that Were scenes stuff. from Doctor Who filmed at Cheddar? No, it doesn't yeah. need any of that stuff. <laughs> Eat that, Cheddar. I think, uh, some, I think uh, Day of the Triffids was filmed <laughs> in uh, Cheddar Cullen. <laughs> would, you, would you eat Wookiee whole Cheddar cheese? I think that is, that's, a, you know, that's a guess. I'd give it a go. <laughs> I actually did eat it on my uh, pasta today. <laughs> I'm a terrible. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like Wookie Hole is much better than Cheddar Cake. Did you feel bad as you ate it because you were I betraying did. your roots? I was. <laughs> I was <felt> terribly bad. <laughs> um, I've got Frost Wright written down there, and it's just like it's like Frost Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what I, why I put that. Oh, I thought of a good sitcom for you. If you ever come back to the UK, off the, the peg. If the no, it's better than that. Go on. Square peg in a round hole. Okay. In which you play a nerdy man. <laughs> won't be much of a it's stretch. It's a bit of a stretch, yeah. <laughs> Who works in a manhole. <laughs> we should talk about this. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm really good at pitching. I'm not really, I can't be bothered to write stuff. That's my problem. Could I go back in time uh, in, the, in the show? Yeah, it would cross over with my other work. Maybe, maybe all of my sitcoms should just have a bit where they can go back to good night's sweetheart, however serious it is. It's like Narnia. They would find a different way in. You could just pick like different episodes of Good Night Sweetheart to crash and be in. And then when you watch Good Night Sweetheart back, yeah. you pick certain uh, extras that you are in. You know yeah. what I mean? So it yeah, looks yeah, like definitely. it's a retro... No, it's exciting. So. It's a very exciting project. I'm not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't go to McDonald's until you were 23 years old. No, I went to McDonald's for the first time on June the 19th, 1983. Right. And I had a treble thick milkshake from the one at the top of Tottenham Court Road. And the reason I know that is because I was in London to see Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and I, I, I remember the date of the Return of the Jedi. And as such, uh, for that reason, remember the day of my first McDonald's right. treble-thick milkshake. And it was like an amazingly exotic thing. 
And uh, little did I know it was like, you know, the petrol and strawberries. But I was the same because I didn't, I didn't go to McDonald's. My mum and dad would never let me go to McDonald's. Oh, really? We did, we, you know, I grew up in Cheddar, so there wasn't a McDonald's yeah, in Cheddar. Same, same. There was one in Bristol. Uh, but they just kind of cleverly almost made me not realise we were there. Until I was about 16, I didn't realise these things even existed. Then yeah, I became yeah. vegetarian when I was 18, so I had about two years of eating McDonald's. But it's kind of weird to think that there was a time when you could escape it. You're trying to stop your kids eating fast food or your, ch- your child eating uh, fast food. I'm trying to stop her watching The Phantom Menace uh, for as long as I can. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we, I mean, you know, it's difficult, though, because they, you start off and you've got this... Little blank canvas who's never eaten anything bad, and you, you know, everything's organic, and then eventually you start going, Oh, here's ice cream, just yeah. eat that. And, uh, but yeah, you, you, you want to encourage them to eat. But the well. danger is, I, they, my parents wouldn't let me, you know, would very rarely let me eat sweets, and they would very rarely let me do that stuff. And then just, and I would just dream of the day, I was like Charlie Bucket, <laughs> dreaming of the day that I would get like a bar of chocolate to myself, you know, we'd allowed to eat chocolate, but we had to share it between my brother and my sister. And just the idea of having a bar of chocolate to myself was just seemed impossible. My, my ambitions were to have a whole bar of chocolate to myself <laughs> and to have the blonde one from Abra appear in my bedroom in just her pants. Wow. I still wanted her pants. Holding a bar of chocolate yeah. would be perfect. Uh, <laughs> and so, but that meant when I could have the means to buy myself a bar of chocolate yeah. or the blonde one from Abra, uh, I, you know, I, I did so with gusto. Yeah. And ate to look, and that's what happens. <laughs> so be careful, that's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> uh, and you spend a lot of time imagining, and it, I mean, I don't want to talk about zombies or very much because there's, you know, you've been it's been about done, it. isn't it? But you, because what I do, I spend a lot of my time, you imagine uh, zombie attacks and how you would escape from them yes. in real life. I kind of sp- I spend a lot of my time imagining terrorist atrocities, <laughs> which are more I, likely to yeah, be fair. Yeah. And, and I'm, in my imagination, I'm really brave. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping I'll be in one just to test whether it's I'm like if somebody brave. stands up about to detonate their <laughs> yeah. their waistcoat of death. Yeah. You, you you jump on them or something. Yeah, I sort of work them. out. Well, I'm in the Westfield, and especially now that's become even more <laughs> terrifying. But I was terrified beforehand of going to the Westfield. I'm working out where they would be, yeah. and then working out where in Starbucks I could run up the stairs. And then when they came, I know where I can hide around the corner. So when they come up the stairs, I can hit them. And then I would get their machine gun if they had one. If that's what they, they were doing, clearly would. And then I'd go and get the other ones with that. And then everyone would go, yeah. What do you, what do you think? But you'd really my do? worry is that the police would see me with the machine gun and assume I was one of the terrorists. <laughs> Take me out. Death by cop. Yeah. And then not everyone would go, but everyone would go. Oh, but no, he saved everyone. Yeah. He was good. Complex fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I imagine. So if that ever comes up, see see what I actually do. Well, I, well, I was on a, I was on an airplane. I, I, was, I think my wife and I were on our way to honeymoon. I think, and uh, it was a flight to Mauritius, and uh, a man fell out of the toilet. <laughs> like the door suddenly flew open, and he just fell out, like yeah. he fainted or something. And we thought something was going to happen. We were like, "This is it! This is it! This is it!" But nothing happened. But I, literally, all I did was sit up slightly and get a, feel like I was going to do a poo. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> no, no bravery at all. Yeah. No, I think I'd be the same. I'm sure I would be very unbrave. <laughs> like, it's nice in my imagination. Uh, I, a man fell on me on the, on, when I was on the plane to Armenia. So I talked about it in the last podcast, though. So, uh, <laughs> spool back to that if you want to hear my story. <laughs> Is there anything about the TV series Space that you have never said before? If so, say it now. <laughs> Uh, n- n- probably not, to be honest. 
uh, other than that, there will never be any more, despite what we constantly get asked about. I'm sorry, but that's just what I'm I did not ask that question. I know, I know, I know. I do not want you answering that question. (laughs) And the reason not, because it, uh, because it just didn't happen when it should have happened. There was a, there was a window when we could have done it. And it just didn't happen. And then because of Shaun of the Dead, because of what happened with Shaun of the Dead, it took us off in a different direction and, and coming back to space. And I, I, I'm sad about that because I think we had another series in us. I don't, it wasn't a two-series show. It was like there was another series and there was a... You know, Tim and Daisy, the two main characters, would have eventually... There would have been a huge romantic coming together for those two and it, it would have been... It would have ended cheesy and happy and, you know, that was all to come, but it never did. But there we go. Maybe in an episode of Square Peg in a round hole. <laughs> <laughs> You could go into the sewer underneath that house. That's it. Yeah. This is the way to solve all my problems. <laughs> I mean, you're unlikely. You know, you're unlikely to come back and do a UK sitcom, aren't you? At any point in your life now? I don't know. I mean, never say never. I mean, yeah. t- the thing is with TV now is that it's kind of it's ch- TV's changing. T- TV's almost won the war with film in a way because it's you know theatrical cinema is is on the ropes really, and it's doing everything it can to not be. You know, 3D and fucking IMAX and capes and spaceships and stuff but the fact is that with our homes becoming like cinemas we can have TVs that look like cinema screens people are getting more inclined to stay in and not go out it's a shame because you lose the communal experience the whole point of films in the cinema isn't really seeing them on a big screen it's seeing them together with people you don't know and you know sharing something that's that's quite beautiful but uh, that's kind of I hope it doesn't die, but it's dying. But what's interesting, and I do think your your films are the, your, the, the blockbusters you're in are di- different to this. But there, there's the, it's becoming too cliched and too obvious, and you're not getting anything. And then something like Breaking Bad yes. is an amazing deep thing that you can engage with the characters. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Over know, and it goes on for hours period, and hours. Yeah. So that t- you know, TV actually offers more scope as a writer, as an actor, and yeah. as a viewer. I think. Than I think it's going back to. I think it's going. It's becoming the place where a lot of serious acting is happening. And yeah. uh, I just did a. I just did a pilot in the, in the US for a show called Mob City. Which is like a sort of uh, it's all set in the Mickey Cohen era era of like forty seven in L A when the LAPD was struggling with the you know there was all this immorality and yeah. amorality going on, and it's directed by Frank Darabont who did the Shawshank Redemption and it's got some amazing people in it and it's 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 a very attractive place for actors to go now and mm. uh, you know I feel like um, it's no longer film sort of poorer cousin but. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of just want to... The, the hardest thing about my job is I have to be away so much. Yeah. I, I, I literally... this We worked it out the other day. We sat down and worked it out. This year, I, I did 127,903 air miles. <laughs> and that's not... I don't mean on my card. I mean, that was the physical amount. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Uh, five continents and 10 countries and 26 cities. And that's between two films and two press tours. And that all sounds very fun and kind of like, isn't that cool? But I didn't see my daughter for long, for, for four, three, four weeks. And it fucking hurts. You know, you're away for, it's very, very difficult. And it hits you like an ice headache every now and again. You just go, oh, God, I don't like this. And I was trying to figure out a way to, to do, have my cake and eat it and do the job which I, I love and I can do to a certain degree, but not have to ever leave home. <laughs> and I don't know what the answer to that is, you know? No, but I guess it gets... You know, you've got so much power. You, you're doing things that presumably you're getting paid quite well for. I'm guessing you, you don't. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I just get free Star Trek figures. <laughs> I get to keep my uniform. That's it. <laughs> but you know, the, I think that that is the danger. I mean, I work a lot too hard, but I don't have any children, so it's fine because they're sex crimin. But um, <laughs> uh, but you know, you, you actually, I think you, you sometimes you have to step back and maybe go well. 
And it's really hard because if you know, I think as an actor, it's really hard because you're aware that it can just go, can't it? Yeah, can't yeah, go. yeah. And it's, it, the, the, the difficulty is, is that you constantly you get the chance to work with people that you know, like I could stay, I could, I could, you know, perhaps stay at home and try and get a, something going here, and it, you know, and and, and earn money and, and live. Yeah. But then the, the chance to work with certain people that you really want to work with is very difficult to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a battle between your own ambition and, and kind of whatever and, and and your personal life is a strange. And I'm not complaining in any way because I, I, I'm having a lot of fun. But it's uh, it is a weird one. It's a, it's a weird little dilemma, you know. Yeah. And so, if you get if they offer you a part in Star Wars, the new lot they're making, would you do? <laughs> would you go? Fuck yeah, shoot yeah. in London. <laughs> <laughs> it's shooting in Pinewood. Oh, cool. In fact, you know the, the great thing is at the moment is a lot of films are shooting here in the UK because we're offering very good tax breaks for film companies. So, uh, uh, you know, the new Avengers is shooting here. Star Wars is shooting here. Mission Impossible is going to shoot here. Star Trek Three is going to shoot here. I think possibly. Uh, so that's kind of worked out quite nicely. So I don't maybe don't have. Well, to if you do so. square peg in a round hole, we can we can <laughs> we can just dig the round hole in your garden. Where that, probably where that well, willow where the tree, tree was. was. Yes, <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> it's been fantastic. I haven't seen you for ages. It's been really it's lovely, lovely to see, to see you, you again. Too. And thanks so much for coming on and doing this. Um, Thank you. Trying to get you on for a little while. And it's great to have you, ladies and gentlemen. Simon Peck, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> You have been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Simon Pegg. The music you're listening to is by Pest. It's good. One day I'll find out what this track is called. Thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide, uh, all the staff at the Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, and Chris Evans. Not that one. Don't be stupid. It was produced by Ben Walker. It's a Fuzz, Go Faster, Stripe, and Sky Potato production. Thanks for listening to Richard Chang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. If you would like to pay us back with actual money or just you like the stuff and you'd like to find out more about what we do, you can go to richardherring.com. For starters, all the information about me is up there. You can go to gofasterstripe.com. You can buy all of my previous uh, live shows on DVD. You can buy Fist of Fun, all sorts of things, and books are plenty, and even some Collings and Herring podcasts. They're exclusive there. If you remember him, nor me. Uh, I am on tour with uh, We're All Going to Die in in 2014. There's still quite a few places to go to. Check out richardherring.com slash W-A-G-T-D. Wagtada. Wagtada. And my producer, Ben, is producing the new series of Do the Right Thing and Pappy's Christmas Special, which will be on iTunes and the British Comedy Guide. If not now, very soon. Listen to them. They're really funny. Bye. <laughs>